Good morning. Y'all are probably surprised to see me up here. So am I. <laughs> so am I. I've been telling myself for a little over a month now since Justin asked me about this that I, I can't do this. That I couldn't do it. All the while preparing every day since he asked me. I can't explain it. But it's okay. I see that God has other plans for me this morning. Philippians 4.13 tells me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Plus I see uh, Dan and Mike have ganged up on me at the back door there. <laughs> Justin has done something here. He's, he's guarding this door and they done doubled up on me at the back door. So <laughs> I can't run out. You're stuck with me. So, here we go. We're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. When you get there, most, you'll see most of your Bibles at the beginning will say, The Temptation of Jesus. But I have labeled it, Jesus says, No to Satan, and yes to the cross. And that will be our main idea this morning. Jesus says no to Satan and yes to the cross. We will look at three points or temptations. Number one, Jesus is tempted to turn stones to bread. Number two, Jesus is tempted to throw himself down from the temple. And number three, Jesus is tempted to bow down and worship Satan. So we'll read the text, and we'll pray, and we'll see what God has for us this morning. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Satan, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, he said to Satan, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In verse 11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning. We, you have given us to worship you and to look into your word. I pray that you would use me now, however you see fit, as it pertains to the speaking and teaching of your word. We pray that you would cause our hearts and our minds to give you our full attention during this time. And we pray that you will be honored and glorified by what is said and done here this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll go right into our first point. Jesus is tempted to turn stones to bread. Look with me again in verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if you look into, at the first word in, in verse 1, then, which usually means something has happened just before that. So I'll, I'll give you a little context. Back in chapter 3 at the end, John is at the Jordan River baptizing. And Jesus comes down and is baptized by John. And scripture says that when John was baptized, that when Jesus come up out of the water, the heavens opened up, and John saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus. And John heard a voice from heaven say, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So then immediately we see in verse 1 of chapter 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that descended on Jesus when he was baptized. This was God's plan. God intentionally led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or tested by God. Why? Why do we ask? Why did God do this? Because Jesus was fully human, fully God. He had a real human existence to be able to relate with us. Remember, we just celebrated Christmas. What is Christmas? It is the birth of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, flesh like ours. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here Jesus will be tempted as we are. He will suffer as we do. But he will obey God fully for us because we cannot. Because he is our Savior. If you also notice in, in verse 1 the wilderness there, the wilderness was not a very good place. Dry, barren, and rocky. But the point here is that the Israelites were in the wilderness and did not trust God when he brought them out of Egypt. You will see here that Jesus trusted God to take care of him in the wilderness. The Israelites did not. Jesus succeeds where Israel failed. And if you look in verse 2, it says, He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. This also points us back to the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus for 40 days. This is about as long as a human body can go without food. Um, thus, Jesus' human existence. He was hungry. If you look in verse 3, it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Satan is saying here, you have the right and the power to satisfy your needs here, Jesus. Jesus making food for himself here would not have actually been a sin. 
But this was not God's plan for him at this time. Jesus here is, to, is tempted to doubt God's plan of provision. Remember, Jesus was human. He was in a terrible place, the wilderness. He was starving. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. And Satan says, if you're the son of God, why don't you just turn these stones to bread and eat? Would have sounded pretty good, huh? I think we'd have probably done it. But Jesus answered in verse 4, it is written, man, Jesus was a man, must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus here is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. This verse was reminding the people of Israel that God was faithful to take care of them in the wilderness. Jesus is telling Satan here, I don't have to take matters into my own hands. God's word will take care of my needs. John 4.34 says, My food, Jesus is saying, My food is to do the will of him who is him, God, his father, who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Jesus succeeds here where Israel failed again. We can also look back in Genesis at Adam in the garden. Adam resided in the comfort of the garden. He had plenty to eat, a whole garden to choose from, except but one tree. And he was not even hungry. And he still couldn't obey God. Sounds just like us again. Jesus was in a terrible place in the wilderness. Remember, he was fully man. And he still trusted and obeyed God. He trusted him here by living off every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus succeeds where Adam also failed. Jesus would rather starve than doubt God's plan and provision. One commentator says, Jesus is led by God's appetite. Jesus is led by God's plan not his appetite. Does God's word take care of your needs? We try so hard just to take care of things on our own, but I can tell you we fail. We have God's word at our fingertips right here. Everybody's got a Bible. To guide and direct us. We have direct access to God through prayer, in prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I think you can probably find a solution to about all your needs and problems in God's word. Try it next time you're faced with a problem, I challenge you. The next time you're faced with a problem in your life, go to God in prayer. Read God's word. I think you will find answers. God wants you to lean on him. He wants to help you. I ask you to put your faith in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. I'm going to read Matthew's uh, in the book here, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. <clears throat> Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is telling his disciples right here not to worry about these things. So how could Jesus relate to the disciples and us if he would have turned stones to bread and eaten? The disciples couldn't do it, and we can't do it. They could have said, easy for you to say, Jesus. You can just make your own food. But they couldn't say that. Jesus suffered as we do, but he does not give in to temptation as we do. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have a high, we do not have a high priest. Who is our high priest? Jesus. Who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one who has been tempted in every way as we are. Yet without sin. Let us follow Jesus' example here. And put our faith in God. Let us put our faith in God. We're moving on to our second point or temptation Jesus is tempted to throw himself down from the temple if you look with me in verses 5 through 7 then the devil took him to the holy city had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down for it is written he will give his angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Satan took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This was probably the southeast corner that overlooked the Kidron Valley. It was probably 300 foot dropped straight down. And Satan said, If you're the son of God, Throw yourself down so he will save you from all this. We can just end it right here. Jesus here is tempted to presume on God's grace. I'll do something stupid because God will bail me out. Boy, does that sound like us. Remember, Jesus was suffering here. No food for 40 days and 40 nights. He was probably weak and frail at this time. He was human. Satan said, For it is written, He, God, will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan here is quoting Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, but he quotes it out of context. Why? Because he's a liar. 
Satan was a liar then, and he's a liar now. He wants Jesus to use it as a selfish act. And it's not the way it is meant at this time. God is not manipulated. God is not, mani he wasn't manipulated then, he's not manipulated now. Don't be fooled. But Jesus said to Satan, again it is written, you shall not put your, the Lord your God to the test. He is quoting Deuteronomy 6, 16, and 17. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Messiah. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes he has commanded you. Messiah here is a place in the wilderness that when the Israelites come out, they camped, there was no water. So they tested God. They wouldn't wait on his provision. They tested him by saying, is the Lord God even among us? We're thirsty. Where's the water? And Messiah actually means to test. Again, this is pointing back to Israel's disobedience in the wilderness, not trusting God to provide for them by demanding he do something, demanding the water when they were thirsty. Israel failed in the wilderness where here Jesus succeeds. Jesus obeys God in the worst of times where we cannot in the best of times. Do you put God to the test? Did you know that to test God reflects unbelief? To test God reflects unbelief. Do you do dumb stuff and say, God will get me out of it. I'll do it anyway. God's word tells us that once you put your faith and trust in him and are saved, you should bear fruit. You are changed. You should no longer continue to sin when you know it is a sin. James 4.17 tells us, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Trust God to see you through, to provide for you in his time, not yours. God may be protecting you from something you know nothing about. My wife tells me that all the time. God may be protecting you from something you know nothing about. Do we follow God or must God follow us? Testing God is not trusting God. Do you trust God or do you continue to sin by testing God? We'll look at our third temptation. Jesus is tempted to bow down and worship Satan. Look at me in verses 8 through 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Satan tells Jesus, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you all these. He's talking about the kingdoms of the world. Satan, who had failed at the other attempts to throw Jesus off God's plan, offers one last very big appealing offer. What would be something appealing to you? Financial freedom? A life without responsibility? Power? All used in the wrong way is not good. These things are offered to us every day if we worship the world we live in now. But remember, these are temporary things. We need to make sure we are focused on eternal things. Jesus Christ. What was Satan offering Jesus here? To have all authority on earth 
without having to go to the cross. But Jesus knows that if he does this, Satan will replace God his Father. And the very first, first commandment says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So at, so at this time, Jesus, he takes control. I guess he's tired of Satan's mouth. And he says in verse 10, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, again quoting scripture, God's word, which we can live by, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus, again quoting scripture, Deuteronomy 6.13, At this time, the battle of Satan is over. The scripture is in direct contrast with what Satan wants Jesus to do. Satan wants Jesus to worship him, but Jesus and we, we are commanded to worship God and obey God. This points us back to where the Israelites committed idolatry and worshiped the golden calf back in Exodus. Again, Jesus is victorious where Israel failed. And it's at this point in time in history that Jesus says no to Satan and yes to the cross. Jesus says no to Satan and yes to his father's plan of a painful death on the cross in our place. Jesus will go on to secure our salvation, to crush the head of the serpent as foretold in Genesis 3, and to make a way for us where before there was no way. Then verse 11, the devil left him. Why? Because he knew he had been defeated. Notice that the devil obeys God here. He does exactly what he says. He left. He knew he had been defeated. The devil had been fighting for his life because he knows that when Jesus goes to the cross, he has no future. In the end, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. Here, Jesus secures both ours and Satan's eternity. Satan's in hell. ours in God's presence for eternity. If only we put our faith and trust in Christ's redeeming work on the cross. In the end of verse 11, and the angels came and were ministering unto him. This is probably the same angels that would have taken care of him and aided him when he jumped off the temple. They were now feeding him and ministering to his every need. This is God's providential care. The same care we can have when we put our faith and trust in Jesus work on the cross and this is not in your Bibles this is just me I wonder if God's voice said again this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased in closing let us follow Jesus example here he could have turned stones to bread and ate using his power to serve himself but he humbled himself he trusted and obeyed God and went on to the cross and gave his body as bread to us. Let us trust and obey God. Jesus could have jumped from the temple and tried to force God to act, but he obeyed. He obeyed God and did not test him. Let us live by faith as Jesus did and, and trust that God will take care of us. Let us not test God. Jesus did not take the easy way, but the suffering way of the cross. As predicted in Isaiah 53. We should be willing to take up our cross and follow Jesus. He is the way to eternal life. Let us follow Jesus.
put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today and every day. There's a song I've been listening to lately, and it's called My Jesus. It is sung by a lady named Ann Wilson. It's very encouraging to me. I listen to it every morning going to work. I just wanted to share a few words of it with you. My hope was that it would be encouraging to you. It says, Who would take my cross to Calvary, pay the price for all my guilty? Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is, is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray that we would follow in the footsteps of Jesus as you have showed us this morning and that we would trust and obey you with our life, that we could follow your plan for our life and not our appetite for the things of this world. But may we live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And we're so thankful that Jesus did not give in to temptation but went to the cross in our place and made salvation attainable for us. We come in our lives in your hands now this morning, Father. By the name of Jesus Christ, amen.